This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hi, everyone, and welcome into episode 138 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti, Michelle Smallman, here with you. And we're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon, which is different. Normally, we tape it at nighttime, but it's kind of nice to have a little afternoon chat with you, Steve. It's a Wednesday. we got a Champions League coming up in a little bit, so a little bit of a lazy afternoon. was working late last night, but I I like tapering during the day. I I think that's more fun. I mean, we taped Fitz at night last week, which was because we wanted to tape him after his radio show, but I kind of prefer taping during the day. I don't know. I like when the sun's out. The lighting is good. Look at I'm glowing right now. This is beautiful. You are glowing. See, I'm in a corner of my place with a light behind me because my place is really dark. Wherever I move next, I need natural light. I need a, a great yard because I don't have a great yard now and I need natural light. My place, no matter what the weather is outside, feels like a cave. What do you have the ring light going right now? Yeah, the stupid yeah. ring light I bought off of Amazon and I yeah. hate it. But what I didn't realize is that when we do these Zooms, if you don't have a light, you look so dark and washed out. It's so- You look annoying. like a dead person. No, this is a yes. true story. Uh, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but um, if not, I will again. I got the nickname Twilight when I was working at- e- I, I told you this, right? I yeah. got the nickname Twilight when I was working at ESPN, partially because I, was, I had not seen the sun in a while. I was working a lot of overnights and I filled in the Herd and Gottlieb show a couple of times. And the lighting, they didn't light the studio properly. Or they lit the area, obviously, like in the studio where the host was sitting, but they didn't light the crew. So the, the cameras would show me and I would be like this pale ghost looking dude who looks like he hasn't seen the sun in years. And it was right around the time the Twilight movies were coming out. So I got that. So it's all about lighting, though. I mean, I was very pale, but it was also mm-hmm. the lighting. So lighting, you know, that, this is why people do Instagram filters, right? Because they realize that it makes them look better. Yeah, there's a reason Instagram gives you the brightness option. So to Zoom, in Zoom, literally, it'll say, hey, touch up your appearance. No lie. What? Mm-hmm. It just, just, it put a hazy filter on you. I don't really put it on because it makes you look like a fairy tale princess type deal. <laughs> I'm not really looking for that kind of vibe right now. Right, right But it right. just kind of glows your skin up a little bit. And yeah, so filters are everywhere, even Zoom, even in, even in your work meetings. So I have a friend who's really good at Instagram. She is just very creative. She can edit things really well. Like she can take a picture of herself and then put a cool background behind it. Just things that I don't know how to do. And I was asking her, what apps do you use to edit your pictures? Cause they look so cool. And there's so many apps out there. She was like this one and this one and this one. And it was so helpful, but I'm like, my gosh, I'm so far behind on all of this. I don't even know how to do any of this stuff. So, I mean, listen, I'm not a filter guy. I'm not even really an Instagram guy. I posted, I think for the first time in months when we went to Burlington last week. So what's up? I'm back. Your boy's back. But there are already filters in Instagram. Those ones aren't good enough. Those ones don't do the job. I don't get it. Well, some of the ones in there just look too much for me. You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at some of the ones of people who are probably paying money for them, they look too much as well. Not even an ounce of their face looks real. I know this whole face tune thing is so bizarre too. Because Is that what it's I, called? That's not the one she uses. Oh, that's something that other people use. It makes your eyes big and your mouth wide. She looks like a Disney character. Yeah. Like a Disney character. Correct. And sometimes I will look at pictures of people that they post and I'll be like, you look really good, but it's very obvious that you did something to this. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm interested in? You as a guy, if you look at a picture of a female and she looks great, but you know that it's edited, do you care? Do you care? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, you you know, me, I'm crotchety and I get annoyed by things I shouldn't get annoyed by. So yes, I get annoyed because I'm like, clearly you don't look like that. But then here's the problem is now that we actually have to start seeing people again, you know, shouts out to the vaccine. When people show up at a restaurant or a bar for a meet and greet after their Tinder Bumble pictures, looking like someone who is a Disney princess and you show up and you don't look like that. That's going to be a problem. No, aren't you just kicking the can down the river? It's like, hey, this person looked really good in her picture or his or her picture. And then they show up in real life. And it's like, you used to be used to pictures from like 10 years ago and be like, oh, yeah, you know, (laughs) I'd change my picture up in a little while. Now it's like, no, your filter is so bad that you don't even look like the person I swipe right on. I know, but I think that was a pre pandemic problem. Probably. A lot of people probably. It'll be exacerbated now. Speaking of that, Steve, I did my first kind of real activity. In the wake of all this post-vaccinated, getting together with a group of people, and I played in a co-ed intramural soccer game. Oh my gosh, so jealous. I'm so jealous. I don't like to do a lot of cardio. Not a big cardio guy. We're getting a Peloton. Excited about that. My only source of cardio is playing pickup soccer, really, and occasionally pick up hoops. And I obviously haven't been able to do that. So I am so incredibly jealous of you. 
were you any good? When's the last time you actually played organized soccer? Like, like I know you were a big soccer years. star as a kid, but. Oh, I was not. I ran, I was fine. But 10 years ago, probably was the last time I even touched a ball. And my friend Lux invited me to play. She plays on and off, uh, has obviously like prior to the pandemic. And she was like, we need more girls. We need girls to sub in. And I was like, well, shit, I'm not doing anything. I'm like, of course I'll go. So I did 75 hard. I like to think that I'm athletic. Okay, yeah. I can run half marathons at the drop of a hat. I'm not the most athletic person I know, but I'm athletic enough. Real quick, not yes. saying this is you, but there is a big difference between being a good runner and being athletic. That's not Correct. the same thing at but all. Like I, I played soccer. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm I know not... you played sports, but people who are like, hey, I run a marathon. That doesn't mean I'm picking you first and pick up basketball. I'm sorry. You know? Oh well, you would never pick me in basketball. I've never. Do you know I've never played a game of basketball in my life, like physically. How is that it. even possible? Because I never, ever, ever took gym. Not once throughout my youth did I have to take gym. Wait, gym was the best part of school. What are you talking about? I, ne I never took gym. I mean, we had gym, I guess, recess and stuff in grade school, but we had to take religion. So we didn't really get gym. And then in high school, I didn't have to take gym because I was a varsity athlete my freshman year. Okay. And so I got to opt out. The entire out. year? You got to opt out? For my entire high school career, I never had to take gym once because I was a varsity athlete all four years. We had the same thing, but you could only not take gym during the season you were playing a sport. So I didn't play all year round. So I played football and golf. So I usually had the winters off. But I even tried to get out of that because I wanted to play. I wanted to be in gym. I want to play handball. I want to play floor hockey. That was the most fun part of the day. The weird part about that, too, is everyone must have just stunk because nobody showered afterwards. They just put their clothes back on and went back to <laughs> yeah, school. Right? Side note, that's like a weird thing. It's like now that I'm grown up, I'm like, that was kind of odd. Anyway, but yeah, I'm totally. so it's insane that you that you didn't participate in gym because you I feel like you missed out on, on a core value of growing up as a kid you know, I, th I think in grade school maybe there was gym I can't really remember I mean I know that there was recess but, and but then how have you sometimes you never stumbled into a game of pickup hoops even if it was never. very informal you've shot a basketball before I've played correct? horse uh, well okay yeah you don't remember Steve when we went to North Carolina I do and we got I wouldn't count shoot. that as playing basketball though. that was no just like but I have shot a basketball around. obviously I've played horse I've played, um, what's the other one? Knockout. I've played yep. knockout. Knockout's a fun, <laughs> knockout is more basketball. Horse isn't really, horse is trick shot. Knockout, at least there's some basketball principles there, right? You know, you gotta be yeah. short range, long range layups, all that stuff. Um, like, as far as I was on a team. Not even three on three. Nothing. No, never. I mean, from the time that I was walking, my dad had me kicking a soccer ball. So I played soccer my entire life. And then once you get to a certain age, you're playing year round. I was playing indoor. I was on select teams. I was on my school team. I there was a time when I was on like four teams at once. So I just never had time for anything. Wait, what else did you play then? So you play, you said you played sports year round in high school. didn't have to play. So I played besides soccer, soccer year round. You played um, it year Round. Yeah, year round. I played indoor in the winter and then in the spring and summer and fall. Sometimes I was on two different teams. What position did you play? So I started out um, as a defender and then as I like a center back. Uh, yeah. Or a fullback. Fullback's the most fun position on the field. Um, it just kind of varied, you know, wherever. But then once I got older, they moved me to striker. Nice. Which might shock you, which might shock you. So we had a one really, really good girl on our high school team. And basically my job was to get the ball and distribute to her. I was the middle, the middle woman. I was like, get it to the flag and get it to Kelly. I feel like almost every local town has that same thing. And it's for a soccer deal for their team. They have one really good player. Typically, they're foreign. For us, it was this Polish dude named Conrad. He was nasty. He was so fast. The kid was unbelievable. It's like, get the ball to Conrad. He'll figure right, it out. Right. Like, try not to get in his way. I didn't play the sport, but I just, even I, from afar, knew that that was what the soccer team's strategy was. Yeah. Um, like, so that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But and uh, then I would, I since I did play defense and I could be physical at times, once I distributed, then my job was to get in front of the net and maybe get one of those nasty in front of the net. I will deflect it in type goals. Nice. You're like a poacher. There you go. Yeah, basically cherry picker, if you will. So wait, were you like the caddy heron playing lacrosse? Uh, no, it was it was it was Regina, Regina George, George playing lacrosse yeah. and Mean Girls, where you're just getting all your anger out on people and giving people bloody noses and stuff. Or were you I very was, passive? Oh no no no, not passive. I was physical competitor. I yeah. was a competitor. Yeah, I like you, to win. I respect that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see you step. You're all nice and everyone, you know, obviously Michelle, she's the best. She's, you know, but on the pitch, as you will, the competition is wild. It's a whole different Michelle. Like nobody's seen that person before. I like those kind of people, you know, it, where they know like they you. get that aggression out. And a lot of people do that in workouts nowadays where I have to figure that out because nobody likes anyone who's competitive in everyday life. That person sucks, you know, totally. but 
it can take it a little bit too far if you're paying pickup hoops and, te- and you're trying to injure dudes or like you're being way too rough or something like that guy, especially in like a 30 plus league, 35 plus league, like, dude, know, know where you're at. But I always like the people that, uh, that were totally different people than you would expect them to be on a field or on the court somewhere. And I could see that being you. Oh, that's me. Once that whistle sounds, I'm locked in. And I missed that. So that's why when my friend asked me to play, I was like, yeah, yeah, this could be fun. And you know, I run, I could, the skills will come back to me. It's like riding a bike. Right. So I get out there, Steve, and it does start to come back to you. It's so quickly, like your muscle memory, how it picks up and you remember certain things. Like even when you go to shoot the ball, your mechanics, like getting your knee over the ball, all of these things start coming back to you. But I forgot how hard soccer is so even hard. in just a, in like a rec league pickup, even as someone who runs and who works out consistently, the burst of energy that you need and the endurance and agility required to be good at soccer. Mm-hmm. I forgot what a skill that is. Yeah. Soccer is a hundred percent a skill game. And that's what I like about it. One of the cool, like in the NBA, if you're not, if you're not six foot, if you're not really six, five, like there's a good chance you're not in the NBA, you know, the guys that are under six, five that are guards are insanely skilled. Um, you know, if you're seven feet, you're, there's a good chance that, you know, like 10% of the world's population of people who are seven feet are in the NBA, literally actively, wow, uh, which really? is awesome. So it's How, something like that. that, Give me that I again. think it's like 10% of everyone in the, in the world who is seven foot or, or above is literally playing in the NBA right now. That's amazing. What um, an amazing stat. Yeah, it's kind of wild. So, but what I like about soccer, I say that in the NFL, a little bit less nowadays, you got guys that are smaller, Tyreek Hill and the, the Smith dude from Alabama, who's going to be receiver draft in the first round, who's like basically my size, which is wild. He, but, he is. He's like 10 pounds heavier than you. And yeah, he's not big either. Neither of them. Yeah. But that you can, you can kind of get away with that in the NFL, but still there's the offensive and defensive linemen that are just massive, right? Mm-hmm. In soccer, it lends itself to you having just like an average body type. I mean, Lionel Messi's five foot seven. He had a growth problem. He had to take, uh, I believe, steroids as a kid because he had a, a condition Whoa. where he was just small, right? No, he was roided up. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was legal at that point. I think <laughs> Barcelona paid for some of it, which is why he ended up signing there. But wow. you know, you've got him who's five seven. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo who's like six two, and this Adonis looking dude. You can have guys from all over the guys and girls from all over the spectrum. That's why I love soccer because you don't have to have a specific body or tight. Mm-hmm. You just have to be skilled at the game. And it is yeah. the hardest game to play. I mean, especially as Americans, I didn't grow up playing really soccer at all, but you know, I grew up playing basketball, whatever, everything you do with your hands. And then, okay, I can't use my hands. Now you got to use my feet. It's so mm-hmm. awkward. I look like a, like a baby giraffe running around there trying to figure out how not to trip over myself. But I always respect the hell out of soccer people and people who have skill because it is, I think the hardest game of the major sports to learn in the world or to be good at, to be good at. And there's a couple players on our team that were really good and when you're really good at soccer is there anything more graceful in sports than someone who's really 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 skilled at soccer because I would watch some of my teammates get the ball and the moves that they would make or the way that they would shoot it or the way they would receive the ball and settle it and pass it I'm like this is beautiful it's the beautiful game <laughs> well what separates people from good to being really great is their first touch right if you mm-hmm. can settle the ball very quickly and get it to where you want that's one of the hardest things to really grasp, which is when someone passes you the ball and oftentimes not in a very comfortable situation for you to just take it with your foot and settle it as fast as possible so the defender can't get it. That's what separates a lot of the, you know, the world-class people from just the good people. Um, and that's just so there's so many hours of repetition that you have to do with that. But one of the things that's cool about soccer too, and they call it the beautiful game for a reason. It's like, you're right. It's like very elegant. When someone is at the peak of their soccer powers, like when Messi is doing his thing and he's dribbling and out of people, I mean, he puts dudes on skates. It's it's like Allen Iverson on steroids in the NBA. It's really <laughs> wild. So it's Joe Benito, right? It's the beautiful game. So you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. Okay, two more things about soccer. Number one, I just in life in general and specifically in soccer or in athletics thrive when there's a plan, when there's a game plan, right? I like to have a role and know what is required of me. This mm-hmm. is what I need to do to execute. I'm a list person, Team player, right? yep. Team player. System player. Um, Although now you can ad lib a little bit. I think you need you to can give yourself more credit. For I that. definitely can, but I need to know generally what is required yep. of me, right? In our industry, we like a rundown. I need to know the yep. flow of things. Okay. With this, it was a free for all. It was a girl oh, needs yeah. to come out. So I'm coming in. And the first time I got tagged in, I go, What position are you? She's like, There's no position. It's just get out there. Oh, that's that's that was real loose then. Wait, how many people were on each side? It was super loose. I don't even know. It wasn't 11 on 11. 10 maybe. No, 10's a lot. It might've been 10 or 11. I can't remember how many people we had on each side, but I literally ran in there and I looked at one of my teammates, that guy go, what do I do? And he was like, midfield, just 
can you run? I was like, I can run. Like I can run. He's like midfield. I'm like, okay, got it. So the first time I get the ball, I, like I said, I had not touched the ball in 10 years. And this is co-ed Steve. Okay. This is not just girls. This is dudes coming at me. And the first time I get the ball, two dudes run at me. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I kind of panicked a little. I distributed. I got the pass off. Okay. I kind of panicked a little. Get the pass and percentage up. Get it. Got the yep. pa- nice pass out to the, to the right wing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of these dudes. Okay. And so then anytime a dude would get a ball, I would run up. I had many blocks. I had a few takeaways, Steve, but I was like, no, they're probably more scared of me because they can't touch me, right? Like they can't be as physical with me as they would like to be. So I think if I am the aggressor, I have a better chance of stealing the ball, which ended up being a great strategy. So while I didn't necessarily have a position or a strategy, I developed one for myself as the game went on. That's good. You're 100% correct. When it is a co-ed league and there's a girl in it, especially if she's kind of good, she could boss the field around because the guys are not going to want to get weird with that. You know, they're not going to try to be overly aggressive. And if you're actually good, then you could really take advantage of that as a girl. We played what indoor soccer at an ESPN league. And one of our best players was a girl because that was exactly what happened. None of us were any good. And she actually had played and all the other dudes in their team were kind of afraid to close her down or do whatever. So she scored just a shit ton of gold. She was awesome. (laughs) So you can exploit the system in that way. 100% dudes do not know how to play sports with girls, period. Totally. So that's going to be my plan. Regardless of where they have me on the field, I'm just going to be the aggressor. Did you score? I did not. I did not, but my friend Lex did, which was very right, good. Nice. I know. I was very pumped for her. But yeah, so now here I am. You are our soccer guru. I'm officially our soccer player. You played more soccer than I did growing up. So you actually probably more of an expert on soccer than I am, but I just like watching. Playing pickup is probably my favorite thing to do. I love playing pickup just because it's like a good runaround, but I'm never any good. I just try not to stand out. My goal is to not have people point at me and be like, we don't want that guy on our team, um, right. which is weird for me because growing right. up, like I was good at other sports. Like, I was really good at Flag football, like pickup flag football is really good at at pickup hoops. And I'm not good at soccer because I didn't have, I don't have the years of playing it to fall back on like you do. So I just try not to stick out like a sore thumb. If I do that and maybe pitch in like a decent pass every once in a while, I, I consider that a win. I think everybody should have to do what I did this past weekend though, as an adult, because there is something, it was such a unique experience for me to be with a group of people that I didn't know and have to do an athletic Yeah do something out there athletically, right? But you had to communicate well with other people. You had to defer to other people at times. There was, you know, compromise. It's just a lot of skills, I think, that can translate to everyday life that were very beneficial for me to be out there back on the pitch. So anyway. Was was there one good person on each team too? Because that's usually how it happens. You all figure out who's the best person. Just try to appease that person, get them the ball, and then give them the best chance to win. There was a couple really good players on my team, and I would say two or three good players on their team. Yeah, that's usually how it works. You usually end up deciding the game. You just try not to screw up as much as possible. Totally. Um, Okay, well, speaking of sports, you know what we haven't done in a while? Hoops. We need some hoops. Hoops. Let's go. If you have a league pass and don't talk about it, are you really an NBA fan? Let's get some takes off our chest. It's time for Talking Hoops with Saroots. All right, first edition of Hoops with Saroots in a little bit here. And, you know, you only have a couple games left in the regular season. We only have less than a month left of the regular season, which, which I think a lot of people are probably pretty excited about because it's been a drag. Michelle, me as a huge NBA fan, it's just been a rough year. There's been a lot of injuries, wow. a lot of resting. And oh, wait, what's, excuse me. Is that load management? It's kind of load management. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, for example, Kevin Durant got hurt again after coming back from the Achilles injury that kept him out all of last year. Kyrie has been in and out for, you know, mostly just Kyrie things, which is who knows, honestly, at this point, what Kyrie does and doesn't do and why he, why he doesn't play. Uh, James Harden got hurt again. So their whole team has been in flux, although they still have the second best record, I believe, in the NBA right now. So they've been fine. Jamal Murray of the Nuggets, he tore his ACL, which was terrible, which totally changes the dynamic in the West because I actually thought they were going to be a team that could potentially win the Western Conference, especially because the Lakers, you know, LeBron's hurt. Anthony Davis is coming back from an injury again. There's just so many teams that are actually kind of limping to the finish line here, which sort of sucks. And then you've got teams like Meyer Orlando Magic. You've got teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder. You've got teams like the Houston Rockets, who, I mean, could not care about winning. I mean, they are tanking hard right now. Really? Hard. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about just uh, before – Oklahoma City, the Thunder, they had lost 14 straight games until the Celtics beat them last night, which was probably the worst loss of the NBA season because 
the Thunder have no interest in winning games, and somehow the Celtics actually lost to that team. And the Celtics are fighting for playoff, their playoff lives, really, at least to, to avoid the play-in game. But I say all that to bring up a couple things. One is there have been a lot of highlights in this season, though. One has been the Utah Jazz, best record in the NBA. Um, I love Mike Connolly, Donovan Mitchell. I like that team, Quinn Snyder. Their coach is awesome. The only question with the, with the Jazz is always, yeah, they've had good regular seasons, and this has been their best one so far, but can they do it in the playoffs, right? Can Rudy Gobert stay on the, on the court? Because, you know, he kind of gets with, with matchups and things like that. Um, he can get exposed, even though he is probably the defensive player of the year again this year. So I love the Jazz story of them being the number one seed in the West and the best record in the NBA. The other story that I love is the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul. They have the second best record in the Western Conference, and Chris Paul has been playing out of his freaking mind. And Chris really? Paul, really quickly, is a guy who I, I still feel like there's like a mixed bag on him about whether or not people actually respect him as like an all-time great. Just because he's had some, he's had some not so great moments in the playoffs. The Clippers, they lost the series. Uh, they were up three one and lost the series. Um, obviously, when he was with Houston, they blew this, this series lead to Golden State Warriors. Although that, that Warriors team was an all time great team, but Chris Paul had the Phoenix Suns from yeah they were the darling of the bubble last year, but not a playoff team to a legit threat in the Western Conference, a team that I actually probably think and would pick ahead of the Jazz to win the Western Conference. I think wow. if the Lakers are healthy, they probably still win it, and the Clippers are probably still a better team. But the Suns are an awesome team, and it's all because of Chris Paul. And I just want to bring up this stat, too, which is absolutely freaking wild. Chris Paul. This is for any of the haters out there that still want to hate on Chris Paul. He's been on five teams in his career. Five. The Hornets, he got drafted to, traded to the Clippers, traded to the Rockets, traded to the Thunder, and then, then traded to the Suns, who he plays for right now. Okay. Every single time he has left a team and started on a new team, he has immediately made that team better winning percentage wise. Like they, they have immediately gotten better. So every time Chris Paul has joined a club from his rookie season to right now, which I think is his 14th year in the league, he's 36 years old. He has made the team better. Chris Paul is an all-time great point guard and whether or not he wins a championship or not, and I hope he does, but I don't think he probably will at this point. Cause I don't, don't think the Suns will win a championship and I don't know where, you know, unless he like tags on, later in his career and actually gets one and it really won't count for him being like a superstar, right? Cause it'll, it'll probably be him being older. Chris Paul is an all time great player and there's really no debating it right now. His stats are unbelievable. Everything backs that up. He is one of the most deadly players in the NBA in the mid range game. You saw that the Knicks game the other night where he just destroyed the Knicks in the mid range the entire time. And he's like six foot one on a good day, Michelle. And he will literally try to guard guys like Kevin Durant, who are six foot 10. It's unbelievable. And he actually has some success there. So I will not let there be any more Chris Paul slander, certainly not on small talk, but I don't want to even hear it in the rest of the NBA. So I just had wow. to get that out of the way. And I'll close okay. with this. Can I just that, add one thing? Yeah, go ahead. First of all, you're never going to get it from me, Steve. I'm never going to disrespect Huge Chris, Chris Paul. Huge Chris Paul stand. This is known. This is known, yeah, Michelle. This is, yep. this is known. Point God. Um, also love that he's 6'1". That's his program height, right? He might not even be 6'1". Yeah, I, I mean, he's... Program height. Six, but here's maybe. my question. Before you close it out, my question is, why aren't more people throwing respect on his name? Because of the playoff failures. Because, okay, he played on a Clippers team that everybody hated. And part of that was his fault because he was a big time complainer that team complained all the time Blake Griffin okay. DeAndre Jordan they just bitched left and right to every official and they were not a likable team I mean they were lob city and it was fun whatever mm -hmm. but they definitely had some shortcomings in the playoffs and then he played on the Rockets team with James Harden who everybody hated too because he think they think oh, he right. ruined basketball because all they did was shoot threes if Chris Paul didn't get hurt in that series against the Warriors they very easily could have made the finals and again that was one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA so losing to them shouldn't have been a huge negative, but it is. And then he took a Thunder team, which had no business being in the playoffs last year, to the playoffs. And he made the Suns, who haven't made the playoffs in over a decade, into the number two and pushing for the number one seed in the Western Conference. But it doesn't feel fair for people to hate on him and not respect his game because he was on unlikable teams. Yeah, but again, part of the reason that he was, I think a lot of it has to do with that clip. There's a really salty, bad taste in people's mouth from that Clippers thing. And then he kind of asked his way out of there. And I think people will point to the fact that he has only made it to the Western Com to a conference final once in his entire career. And it was with the Rockets, which, you know, a player of his caliber, you would think would get that far, but it's not always about what the best player in the team, like LeBron, you know, had was certainly on a plenty of bad teams in his career. I mean, LeBron was a bad player, right? There have been plenty. Right. Bradley Beal is on a, a Wizards team. That was bad. Your boy from St. Louis. What's up? Uh, with all the respect, the Wizards are just a bad team. And Bradley Beal is really good. It doesn't mean Bradley Beal is terrible because the team can't make the playoffs. So there's just, there's a lot of circumstances that go into that. All I want to say is respect for Paul for who he is. He's an incredible player. He's an all-time great. He's probably the best point guard of his entire generation if you put LeBron to the side. So put some respect on Chris Paul's name. And I would just close out by saying, even though this has been kind of a weird up and down injury riddled, load management riddled NBA season, we're in store for a really, really awesome playoffs because 
I think if the Nets and the Lakers are healthy, which they're not, but if they are, both those teams probably win their conferences and they go to the finals. And it'll be a great finals match. It'll be Kevin Durant versus LeBron, one super team versus like a big two and AD and LeBron. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. But if they're not healthy and those teams are slipping, the Sixers are legit. I think there's probably three teams in the Eastern Conference that can make the finals. That's the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets. I know everybody loves the Knicks, but I'm not going to put them in that category just yet. Um, and I know we got the Miami Mafia is going to be mad at me too, but you guys aren't making the finals again. Last year was a fluke. And the Western Conference, there's probably four teams that can make the finals. It's the Jazz, it's the Suns, it's the Clippers, and it's the Lakers. And it would have been the Nuggets if Jamal Murray didn't get hurt. So, and then you still got Luca out there who everybody loves to watch. So that's right. even though this season has been a dud from a regular season perspective, the playoffs are going to be freaking awesome. And I can't wait until they start. And to close it out for me. Respect Chris Paul. <laughs> Respect the point God. I will have no slander. There will be no slander on this podcast. I know there won't be, but I don't want to see it any of my mentions. I don't want to see it on Twitter. No. Get that shit out of here. Get it out. You're not going to hear it from me, Steve. I can tell you that. Yeah. So sorry for an extra long, it, it had been a while. So I know that was an it extra was long one, but, uh, but there we go. It was good. And now I feel like I'm really pro Chris Paul because of your passion for him. And I don't understand why people are hating on him because he's been in the league and been a really good player for a long time. So people do need to respect him. Watch the Suns too. I mean, I know you're probably not going to be watching a lot of ton of no, regular season hoops. will not be but, watching any. <laughs> but when the playoffs come around, the Suns are a really fun team. Devin Booker, one of the better scorers in the league. Obviously, Chris Paul. Uh, Bridges is one of my favorite wing players in the league. And DeAndre Ayton is a guy that drafted number one overall a couple years ago out of Arizona. Yeah. I who is him. a legit beast. He hasn't really put it all together yet, but they're that core and they're five in Phoenix. I love watching that team play. And I think they could, they could make some noise if the Lakers aren't healthy in the playoffs in the West. Okay. So I will watch the NBA playoffs. Should the Suns be my team? Well, well are you kind will, of a Celtics will, fan? I was going to say Celtics and will the Wizards make it? Cause then I have to ride for my St. Louis peeps and I, Tatum. I hope the Wizards make it. So right now the Wizards are the 10th seed, which is the final playing spot. So they would play the Miami heat in the playing game. And I would be rooting hard for the Wizards because I just, sorry, again, I don't, I just don't like the heat. Um, and <laughs> also it's kind of a good story, right? Weren't the Wizards terrible? The Wizards went on like a 10 game winning streak or I think it was like a 10 game winning streak recently. They just had snapped and they put themselves back in the playoff picture with Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, just broke the, the, the most triple doubles in a month in NBA history. He's going to set the NBA triple doubles record. So I've wow. always liked Westbrook. I will not stand for Westbrook. Like I stand for Chris Paul, because I do think Westbrook is a much more flawed player, but I still love watching Russell Westbrook. He plays harder than anybody else in the league. So I think you should root for the wizards. If they do make that playing game against the heat, and I don't want to tell you to root for the Celtics because the Celtics actually are a terrible watch right now. They're, they're okay. all over the place. So if you're going to pick a team, yeah, the Suns would be a good one. Suns or Jazz. Okay. Or the Wizards. The problem with the Wizards is they're probably not going to make, even if they make the plan, they're probably not going to win that. And even if they win the plan somehow, that means they're going to play the Nets in the first round. They're going to get absolutely smoked. So that's all I needed to hear. There's not a lot of joy in that. You know, I love an underdog. That's true. What up, Lester? There you go. The Foxes. Up, Although Lester? you guys are in jeopardy of uh, potentially not making the Champions League. But that's a whole nother story. Oh, snap. Okay, well, since we did a little hoops with the roots, we got to balance it out. Yep. It's time for me to do a Bravo Minute. Pour some wine and turn up the shade. It's time for the Bravo Minute with Smallman. Steve, I want to use this minute to shout out someone. I'm going to combine my Bravo Minute with a shout out corner. And I just want to shout out Frank Catania Sr. from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I'm assuming you do not watch the show, correct? I don't, unfortunately. Okay. So Frank Catania is the ex-husband of one of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, Dolores. They were together for a really long time. They have two children together. They get divorced, Steve, but they still live together. Mm. They still live together. Dolores is dating a guy named David who's a doctor. He's not around all the time. Now she's got her own place, but prior to that, she was living with Frank. But they have the best relationship of any two people I've ever seen, and they're not married. Everyone stands for Frank and Dolores. They want them to get back together so badly. It's likely not going to happen, but Frank is the best housewife on the show. He's a house husband, but he is bringing it every single week. Steve, you would love him. He's a bodybuilder. And he's yoked. Like, I'm looking at him right now. He's from New Jersey and he's so funny. Every time they show him, he's chatting with the women about the drama. He's cracking one-liners. <laughs> but I think the best part about him is he's so sweet and supportive of Dolores. And he's such a good sounding board for her. And 
she got this award for her work with breast cancer and it cuts to Frank Catania, this huge bodybuilder, Steve, and he's weeping and he's wiping tears away and he's supporting Dolores. And he's constantly talking to David, which is Dolores's boyfriend and telling David, you need to make her happy. You need to commit to her, put a ring on it. And actually Frank had a, a very difficult fall recently. He's into a home renovation and he tore both his quads and he lived with David at the time. He lived with Dolores' current boyfriend, who is a doctor and helped him rehab. Anyway, there was just a big fight recently on the show. And Frank not only did not get involved, but a cheese plate was thrown and he just sweeped up the cheese afterwards and let the ladies have it out. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Frank Catania, senior. Follow him on Instagram. Great Instagram follow. But he is the man and he needs to be a permanent staple on the show. Okay. lot to digest there. First off, this guy's yoked. I mean, Huge. he also looks like he is the definition of someone who's from New Jersey. Yes. Why did they get divorced? I think there was some infidelity back in the day on Frank. But they are, but they're still cool with each other. They're so cool. They're, who they're, cheated on who? I think Frank. I want to know. I think Frank Senior. Oh man. So he's yes. not that good of a guy. So now I feel like we're. What I are we think doing? people can change, Steve. If you're not growing, you're not changing. And I think there was some growth there. They got married young. They had kids young. I'm not excusing it. It's a terrible thing to do. But he loves Dolores so much now, and he is so supportive of her. And I just wish that they would get back together. But they've said they're not getting back together because I think that'd she's be a weird. David. She's, yeah. she's in a relationship with the doctor now. It's unbelievable to watch them together. They have a shore house together. They obviously have two kids together. She's constantly over at his house and he is so sweet to her and thoughtful and caring. And she gets him in a different way. And they're just like in the kitchen cooking together and they're so cute. And I want them to get back together. Is the new guy as the chemistry is good there. I feel like yeah. you're, the way you're selling it to me, it's like, they, why are they even broken up? I mean, obviously he cheated. So that's kind of weird. I would have a hard time, even if it was like an amicable breakup, right? If Maddie and I ever split, right? I don't think I'd want to be friends with the dude that she was dating afterwards. Even if everything was really cool. I guess the kids thing changes it because you want to, you know, that probably makes it as close to like a normal family and everyone's kind of happy and, and there's, it's a seamless transition, but I would have a really hard time with just being boys with the next dude that my wife dated. Sorry. Maybe, maybe that makes me a bad person. Him. I don't know. I mean, living with, him. yeah, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and play FIFA with my, <laughs> with my, my ex-wife's new boyfriend. That just is such an odd dynamic. And maybe I'm built differently. And maybe that makes me not as strong of a person, but I just could never see myself being okay with that. I would always be annoyed by him and competing with that person. I think once you get to a certain point, though, if you guys have been separated for X amount of years, but you're still in one another's lives and you have children together and there's love there, a friendship obviously is part of the reason that you guys were in that relationship. Yeah, you care for that person. But let me let me ask you this then. Did she call for the divorce? I don't know. This was prior to her being a housewife. So we only get so many details. But I think, yes, I think he may have... Because is he still interested? Out. Like, you think that if she was like, hey, I made a mistake, I'm ready to get back with you. Maybe that's why he's lingering around because he just wants to show her that he is actually the right guy. He's basically her husband without the paperwork. Which, like, why would you want to do that? I mean, come on. Let me, if but, you're going to be free, be free. But then he's with David. He's with the, the new, and the, listen, the new boyfriend. Just listen to how intertwined this is. So Frank is the ex, Dolores is the housewife, David is the doctor. That's the new boyfriend. Frank just built David's new house. And then Mm. Loris is picking all of these things out, thinking that they're going to live together. And she's like, I'm not living with you until you propose to me. And then he never proposed. Wow. Drama. Here's the thing. And Frank was like, what are you doing? Propose to her. So Frank is encouraging David to propose. Now that I'm thinking about this even more, I think it's even weirder from David's perspective that he's friends with the ex. I'd be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. This is my woman. (laughs) You know, hey, you had your chance and you screwed it up. Why are you trying to snoop around being Mr. Goody Two-Shoes and trying to be a good husband and win her back? That would annoy the shit out of me too. There are times where I think David is with Dolores because he loves Frank so much. I'm telling you, Steve, Frank Catania Sr. They're just be friends. He is the most lovable guy on television. He's unbelievable. I would die to go out and get beers with Frank Catania on the Jersey Shore. It's actually, if I could do anything right now, it might be to go to Frank Catania Sr.'s shore house and have a boat day and rip some beers with him. It sounds like an awesome time. He's a great guy. But 
I think that David is a doctor and he has a really, really busy schedule and he can't emotionally and probably from a time perspective, give, give Dolores everything she needs. And he wants to be boys with Frank. So it's kind of nice for him, I think, to have Frank in there mm. with Dolores. It's a very convoluted situation, but you know what? What works for them works for them. But I'm just hoping one day that Dolores sees the light and she gets back together with Frank. And David just becomes the friend on the side of Frank. Frank's friend. That's how that's Frank's how he'll friend. be bonded in the future. Uh, his, his graphic would say Frank's friend. It's so funny that you say this guy is so sweet and kind because every picture I see him in, he looks like the kind of guy that would get drunk and punch a hole in a sheetrock wall. Yeah, that might happen. I'm unsure, but he's a good time. You listen, he just he just looks incredibly yoked out. And the idea that a bodybuilder could be you know, I'm, this is like the stereotype game. A bodybuilder could be like this soft, gentle, caring person. It's just oh, very yeah. funny to me. I'll give you two things real quick. When the girls got to the shore, he was like, go inside, relax. I'll get all the bags. He drove three women to the shore. He drove three women to the shore and then got all of their luggage, got it all in the house, unpacked, let them relax. Okay. So he's a sweetheart. Then there was a rumor that one of the husbands was cheating on his wife. And then they had a boys night and something was revealed at the boys night and the women found out about it. And Frank would not, would not reveal what was said. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. So he's very, I mean, he obviously might not have been loyal in his marriage, but he's a loyal guy. To the <laughs> I, was say, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no, I mean, the boys, listen, I people make mistakes. Code, I, guy code and girl code. I wouldn't reveal no. if, the, if the husbands came to me and were like, Hey, we heard this. I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm. Don't know. Snitches get stitches. I don't want to tell you, but, yeah, uh, but he could still be a very honest and trustworthy guy and still have done that at a younger age. Like people do stupid shit when they're young. That's what's weird to me is that how long did it, t- it seemed like they were together for a long time, but he, mm-hmm. how, how much younger were they when he actually cheated? The timeline doesn't make sense line. to me. So we have to figure that out. I don't know. I'll look it up later, I'll later episode. But I would encourage you if you're thinking of getting into a housewives franchise, get into New Jersey strictly for Frank. Yeah. I'm thinking about it just for Frank. He seems like a nice guy. I want to be friends with him. <laughs> Okay, Steve, let's wrap this up with some A-plus content. We probably haven't done that in a while. And I've been consuming a lot of content lately that I would like to share with you. You go first, because I think you have one more than me. Okay, I'll go first then. So the Oscars was this (laughs) past weekend, and I didn't even know that it was coming up. And I hadn't seen any of the Oscar-nominated films. And then someone brought it to my attention last week that the Oscars were going to be on Sunday. And I had a little bit of a lull in my weekend at one point, and I thought, all right, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to watch one of these nominated movies because now's the opportunity and maybe I'll want to watch a show on Sunday. So I actually ended up watching two because the curse of my life is that I have to get up super early now and I get up super early on the weekends, even though I try to sleep in. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have plans until breakfast time and I got up at five and I thought, I'll watch a second one. I will watch a second. So I actually ended up watching two, which was great. Early morning matinee, I like that. Yeah, it was great. It was, you know, from 5 to 7 a.m. By the time everybody else was awake, I had already watched The Sound of Metal. But that was one of the movies that I watched was The Sound of Metal. I don't know if you have heard of it or if you know what it's Mm -hmm. about, but it's about a musician. This is not giving anything away that goes deaf and how he copes with that change in his life. And it was really good and it was really well done. The sound effects in the movie are outstanding because At one point you're listening, you're hearing everything and then everything will cut out or it'll be distorted. And you really get a sense of what it would be like to be in that person's shoes and how terrifying it would be, especially as a young person to all of a sudden wake up one day and not be able to hear anything. And it just is a really interesting watch, but I also think it's an important watch because so many things in our daily life, our daily functions, hearing things, seeing things, tasting things, being able to walk or do all of these things are things that we take for granted. And when something as basic as your hearing is taken away from you, you really realize what that life would be like and how many people actually struggle with that on a day-to-day basis. I have not seen the movie. I would like to see the movie. Maddie and I have kicked it around a couple times. I feel like I needed to be in a mood to see that movie though. And I was not in the proper mood at the several times that we had been kicking it around because it's kind of intense, right? It's a little bit, it's very intense, right? It's intense, but slow. It's intense, but slow, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. It's more or less watching someone cope with something and figure out how to live with this. So I love the, the main guy, Riz. Uh, so Ahmed, good. right? 
Oh he, my god, he was from the night of. The he night of, I loved loved the night of. Loved, loved him of. in that. He's also so in a Star Wars movie, I believe. He was also in the show The OA that I liked a lot too. He wanted to watch the show or the movie because of him, not even because yes. of what it was about. Uh, Maddie, I loved him so much. So we will eventually get to that, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't even know of of all the movies that were nominated. I think I saw one or two, maybe. I saw The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was okay. I don't know. Okay. It was a good movie. I didn't think it was an Oscar-nominated movie. It was a good movie. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I did see Promising Young Woman, which I know you want to talk about too. Which is one that I saw as well. So that was the first Oscar-nominated movie I watched. And I'm interested to get your take on it. I had just mentioned to you that I'd seen it. But that was one of the best movies that I have seen in years. And maybe because of the content behind it mm-hmm. and the messaging behind it obviously resonated with me as a woman, but also because of the twists and turns in the movie that I was not expecting. Even the plot, I really had no idea what it was about. Someone had recommended it to me. And I think that's the best way to go into that movie. So if you haven't heard about it, just watch it because the suspense factor in that movie is really, really strong. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. You know, there's a lot of spoilers things, so we won't even really talk about it. But I was just, it's definitely very surprising with how everything went down. And it was wild. Again, I kind of felt like how I felt about The Trial of the Chicago 7. Good movie, entertained by it. I think a lot of people loved it because of the message, right? It was very pro-female and mm-hmm. about her journey. That was real, t- totally cool with me. Plus, I like her too. That was uh, Carrie Mulligan, right? Yes, very good. Like her a lot. Very good actress. Um, what else? She? I'm trying to think if there's some, one other thing that she was in that I really liked and I can't think of it off the top of my head. Anyway, we can get back to that. But I, I liked it. But again, I kind of felt like The Trial of Chicago 7 thing where I'm like, really good but great oscar worthy i don't know so i don't even know what qualifies because sometimes i think some of the oscar ones are a little bit too on the nose where like nomad land i'm sure it's a great movie i have no interest in seeing it It seems really depressing and a lot of the movies seemed really depressing this year and bill maher had a good rant about it how all of the movies that were nominated for oscars during a year when we really needed to be uplifted as a country and as a world were all super depressing stories like come on guys like help us out a little bit um maybe that's why i didn't see a lot of them i don't know Okay, spoiler alert, if you have not seen Promising Young Woman, this is not really going to give anything away, but I did want to make one comment to Steve about it, and I hope that this doesn't reveal too much. If you haven't seen it, fast forward forward, maybe a minute. Yeah. I thought it was such an important movie. I said The Sound of Metal is an important watch, and I think Promising Young Woman is an even more vital message because it was very important to understand how the bad behavior of men and specifically young boys is traumatic for women and sticks with them for the rest of their lives and how boys tend to get away with things and it's dismissed as well he was just a boy let's not ruin his life knowing that it's going to stay with this female for the rest of her life and I want to say something without giving anything away but I guess I gave the disclaimer so it's okay if I say something so okay for those who are still listening and haven't seen it Carrie Mulligan is this character who is basically on a revenge tour her best friend was was raped, sexually assaulted by a group of guys in school and she ends up killing herself. And Carrie Mulligan is essentially going out for vengeance in various ways. And it's sad that this is something that's weighing on her so heavily, but it's also something that I think is important to discuss. But even when she met a guy that was a good guy, he ended up being somebody who had watched this happen to her friend. And I think that's such an important message to get out there to males that even if you're not raping someone or sexually assaulting someone, if you're a bystander and you're not stopping this behavior and you're not speaking out against it, it can sometimes be just as detrimental. And it's all a part of the system that believes men over women and doesn't necessarily give women the support they need in the wake of something traumatic like that happening. And I don't know, even when she went to the dean about her daughter and she was like, oh, your daughter is in a room with these boys. The dean thought differently of it when it was her daughter. And I think we need to treat all women in scenarios like that as if they were our friend or our daughter and just listen to women more in their experiences. And you need more men to stand up for women in that scenario and not say, I'm a good guy. I didn't do it. You need to be more of an advocate and an ally. So off my soapbox. No, I think that's a really great assessment of the movie. And I think it was, you're right. I think it was definitely powerful in that way. It was a very clear message. Anybody that was confused watching that movie is probably not a good, a good dude. You know, <laughs> you're like, you're right. probably are a dude and you're probably not a great dude. Um, or you're the guy who says I'm a good guy because- Yeah, you know, who, who's trying to trick everybody guy, else. Yep. Every single guy in that movie- 
said something to the effect of, but I'm a good guy, mm-hmm. whether it was taking advantage of a drunk girl or standing by and not saying anything or actually committing the act themselves. It was, I'm a good guy. So I shouldn't have to carry the weight of this my entire life. I'm a good guy who just made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the female's perspective and what a female will have to deal with the rest of their lives because of these actions is never even really considered. Yeah, I mean, even obviously. By other women in the movie, even by other women. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of baked into society things and norms that we just kind of, okay, well, this happens. So we'll, this is the playbook that will go by. And this is who we believe and who we don't believe. Um, I think we do generally a bad job of supporting anyone with trauma, period. I think it becomes a thing where we're really into it for like five minutes. And then the long-term effects never actually really get, I'm not going to talk about certain examples because I don't want to make someone seem like it's more important than another. But I think a lot of people are really into causes and things for five minutes. And then the actual hard part is much many years after that, right? And the emotional effects that they have dealing with that for years to come. And I just don't think we do a good enough job of that, whether that's through obviously counseling or just people getting help in general or talking or or just making things normal. Um, I just don't think we do a good job of that at all. So that certainly highlighted a sexual assault victim and how it changed her life and her friend's life in a very, very good way. So I, like I said, I'm not knocking the movie. I thought it was a really good movie. I was entertained for two hours. I had a great message. Uh, Nomadland won Best Picture. and I I haven't even seen it. So I couldn't even weigh it against the one that actually won it. But I'd probably rather watch Promising Young Woman than Nomadland, given what I know about Nomadland. Right. Okay, one more thing quickly from me. Stand by. I just want to make sure. I recommend a new artist, new to me artist called Two Feet. Let me pull this up really quickly so I can give you a really good assessment of Two Feet. So Two Feet is this guy, Bill Des. He is an American singer, songwriter, and producer. He's from New York City. And he locally back in New Jersey when he grew up was into jazz and blues. And he's taken a lot of those influences into his music now. And I recommend two songs that I'm really into right now from Two Feet. One is called Go Fuck Yourself. Don't let that deter you. Very good jam. Played the it from before. It was very good. Yep. It's very good. And the other one is called Love is a Bitch. <laughs> so Last swearing. Okay. Some expletives in there, but some good tunes. Go listen to some Two Feet. You're welcome. I need new music too. I was telling you and I told Fitz last week, I've just struggled to, in my late teens, early 20s, even to my mid 20s, I took pride in finding new musical acts and sharing them with my friends. And I've just lost that. I feel like it's a part of me that I've lost. And I'm trying to get that back. So I will 100% listen to them because now I don't want to be late on things like the Dua Lipa album. Like I should know that know. right away. Think um, about all the time in quarantine, Steve, you could have been listening to Dua Lipa. But the, here's the problem is that in quarantine, my schedule is obviously way different, right? I don't have a, a commute. I don't, I'm not doing the normal things that I'm doing where I would be listening to music. I don't just sit on my couch and listen to music at home. I listen to music when I'm performing tasks, right? And I actually mowed the lawn for the first time. So that's one of my times where I like, you know, dabble in different podcasts or music things that I learn. But that's only like once a week, maybe. So I need more time. I need to carve out more time in my life where I'm being experimental and exploratory when it comes to new musical artists, because I just don't have Love it anymore. Um, anyway, that's part of being old. All right. You want me to go? Yeah, your turn. A plus content from you. Okay. Two things. One is this dude, Karsten Belt, who is a TikTok guy. So you're going to make fun oh, of me on this, man. but I actually think you would like this. This is the part of TikTok that I didn't realize was the thing. And now I'm like, wow, oh, this is actually kind of cool. He's this dope saxophone player and he adds saxophone solos to other songs. Oh, cool. I know. I know. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like some girl doing some stupid dance that hundreds of other people, thousands of other people have done. It's this really creative musical thing. There's a couple of artists out there that, that are legitimate. I know the, the lead singer of Bastille. I think his name's Dan. Oh, he, he does amazing. I love amazing. Bastille. Go to his TikTok. He does covers of all these really cool songs and they're very good. And they're very in the Bastille type way. Um, there's also this one other DJ who I don't know his name and I wish I did, but he's come up on my timeline a ton where He'll take any song and he'll tell you what that song would sound like if it was produced by Avicii, if it was produced by Martin Garrix, if it was produced by any Diplo. other DJs, Diplo. Yeah. And it's very yeah. cool. So he'll take these pop songs or even not pop songs, other songs, and he'll Avicii them or he'll Martin Garrix them or whatever. It's very cool. So the music aspect of TikTok is actually the thing that I like the most, but I wanted to shout out Carson Bell, which by the way, interesting name, Carsten. Never heard that one before. Can you but spell that for me, please? K-A-R-S-T-E-N. Karsten. Karsten. Yeah. Never heard of that. I know. Okay. So shout out to you. But he'll just throw a saxophone solo in the middle of a random pop song. And it's, it awesome. sounds like it's awesome. I want to listen to this version of the song. So shout yeah. out to him. What a talent. How creative. Um, again, another reason you should probably be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. My second one is the new show on HBO called Made for Love. Have you seen it all or heard anything about it? 
I have not. Is this a dating show? Not a dating show. I know you would think it would be. It's a half an hour long. I think it's six or seven episodes in the first season. Very easy, very consumable, very enjoyable. It doesn't take up a ton of your time. Kristen Milioti, who I'll get to her in a second. She is the main character. She is dating essentially the head of if Google and all these other tech companies had a baby. It was, it'd be like if Elon Musk and Zuckerberg had a baby. That's who this wow. guy would be. She's dating him. He's the head of this company called Gogol, and his last name is Gogol. Uh, and, and he lives in this weird house, pound pound by himself in the middle of nowhere. He never sees the outside world, and she's trapped there. And he does this thing where he puts a, um, and this isn't a spoiler at all, this is just the premise of the show. He puts a chip in her brain and his brain so they can be connected. It's like the new evolution of social media. And she loses her shit and leaves, but she still has this thing connected in her brain. Um, it's not sci-fi. It's really actually kind of like a comedy. It's like an, okay. it's like an irony sort of comedy type show. Ray Romano is in it. Ray is Kristen's dad and he's hysterical. He's not the Ray Romano that you would think of from any of those sitcom shows. He has a sex doll for a wife and it's hysterical. Okay. okay. So I'm, I don't want to get into it anymore. It's a very funny show, very easy watch. And it's just like an interesting premise. Um, and one of the other reasons I liked it was because Kristen Milioti, I liked her. I like her in a lot of things. She was in Palm Springs, which is one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. I thought that movie was so funny. Um, I started watching it, but I fell asleep. Is so she, good. She's the female lead. She's the female lead with, uh, what's his name? Like Andy, uh, whatever, Sandberg. Andy um, Sandberg, yep. She was also... And this is where this, this, this ties into a whole nother thing. So I'm going to take us on a little bit of a left turn here. Okay. She was also the lead or she was in how I met your mother. She was the mother. She was the one that Ted met at the end of the show. Oh, I um, didn't make it that far on that show. Neither did I, which I didn't know until I started looking at her IMDb because I, and I think like you actually don't like that show. I never got into how I met your mother. So I'm nervous to even discuss this because your friend and mine, Jen Howard, who we know listens to the pod, is a huge How I Met Your Mother person. I know a ton of, I mean, there's a there's tons of them out there. That oh, I have several friends that are obsessed with the show. It was hard for me. She very much wanted me to get into it. I lived with her for a bit and she wanted me to get into it. And I watched it. I watched a few seasons of it, but it just felt very repetitive. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, the new girl guy, introduced. Here's the, the thing. Guy, yep. Is she the mother? Barney is womanizing. Uh, is this couple getting back together? No, now they're dating. It kind of felt like friends light. And Ooh. I don't like friends. Another show that you and I agree on. I don't get friends. I don't. I, I'm sorry. Don't get it. Not you know funny. What? Friends had its moment when it was supposed to have its moment, if that makes sense. Friends was Thursday night TV. It was super cheesy. And, you know, it's Friends. It's on NBC. You can watch it with your kids while you're making tacos on Taco Thursday. And it was fine for what it was. But now that we have consumed so much more content that has an edge to it and that has different humor and can go places that Friends, frankly, could not go, it just seems very average to me and I get a lot of hate for that but it's not a bad show by any means and it was great at the time but if you're still loving friends right now it's strictly because of a nostalgia factor and not because it's a great great show I remember watching that show I never watched it growing up and I watched one of my buddies has dvds he's obsessed with the show and he would put it on in our apartment and I'm like when am I supposed to laugh <laughs> what, what? What part of this oh, is funny? You're always coming out with a turkey on his yeah. head. Ha ha. No, it's not funny. Yeah. I just, you know. Oh my God, Monica's cleaning again. It's just not funny. Exactly. And then you talk about repetitive. That was kind of, I, I don't know. Again, I think you're right. It kind of had a hand or two hands tied behind its back because of the time it was in and like judging up shows now, which are super edgy. And as I just said, Ray Romano's got a sex doll for a wife. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff you could do now. That's really funny that you couldn't do back then. But I'm a Scrubs guy over, I thought Scrubs is infinitely funnier. It doesn't necessarily hold up because I don't think many things hold up. You know this. I've, I've talked about this before, but I think Scrubs is for, from that time era, which is what early 2000s ish. That show is funnier than Friends. And I always get a bunch of pushback on that. But I say all this because it gave me an idea that I ran past you. And I think we're going to do next week on the show, which is I think we're going to call it the hater episode. <laughs> we're going to have a bunch of categories. We're going to do movies, music, TV shows, miscellaneous, because there's a lot of miscellaneous things too, just random shit of stuff that everyone likes that we actually don't. So we're zagging on some stuff. So we're going to get people worked up. I mean, don't hate us. This is just our opinions. It's okay. But we're just going to tell you some things that everyone is somehow in on, but we're not. And I have to make this very clear. And I'm going to reiterate it before the episode next week. If we don't like it and you love it, it is not a personal attack. Nope. It is not an indictment on Do you. you. 
I one time on the show said for, on my radio show said friends was overrated. I have never gotten more hate in my life. I one other time pre folklore said I did not like Taylor Swift again, the hate. And it's, well, the Swifties, you know, you can't, you, you know what I've learned that. is that some people think that liking Taylor Swift or liking friends is a personality trait. If you're going to put that yeah. in your bio, don't take it personally if we don't also love it <laughs> i love the way you put that that is 100 percent true that's like people who are that's like that people out. who are loud they think that's a personality trait it's like now you're just loud if you put in your bio i'm loud that's a choice you're making yeah you're determining that that's a personality trait <laughs> and i will choose to avoid you probably at all costs <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but um, yes you're 100 right that's a good caveat because listen everything is subjective you know if I, you I, say you hate frank ocean that's fine. That's your opinion. It is not a personal attack on me because totally. I love him. Totally. So just hear us out next week. Just hear us out. Yeah. That's this is just, this is it. We're peeling back the curtain. We're going to let you guys into, you know, the stuff that we like that might kind of surprise you. And I have a few things on in, in my mind, but I've got to go through my mind vault to figure the miscellaneous category could get weird. There's a lot of shit that we could throw in there. So I got to, I got to whittle that down a little bit, but it'll be fun. All right, Steve, let's get to a review like this one from. Adam D. Reichwein. Sorry, I can never pronounce these things. Adam, what's up? What's up, Adam? We will call you Adam. So Adam says, title, orange flavor greater than orange juice. Five stars. What up, small talk pod? New to the show and love the content, but I'm going through the archives. I got to say, I disagree with the fact that orange juice is better than orange flavor. I know I'm in the minority on this one, but orange juice is one of those things ruined for me by childhood. So much wannabe orange juice, in parentheses, Sunny D, that now every time I drink orange juice, I feel that layer of sugar over my teeth. I'll continue to drop the taste as I have them. Do you guys have those things you love as a child and now you can't stand? That's an all-time bad take. Uh, I, I agree. I would argue that orange flavor is the worst flavor. I know. We talked about this on the pod. Orange yeah. juice is so much better than orange flavor. So that's like my Welch's. I, I don't even eat the orange ones because they're terrible. Right. I eat all the other flavors because they're just not, it's just not good. And orange juice is freshly squeezed orange juice. To compare that to Sunny D, that's like comparing Bud Light to a good champagne. I'm sorry, Adam, but that's just downright wrong. And Adam, I respect your opinion, but yes. you're just, you're wrong. You're definitely wrong here. Also, I would argue to Adam that Sunny D on the spectrum is more orange flavor than it is orange juice. The things that exactly. are in Sunny D is trying to make it taste like orange more than it does actual OJ that's freshly squeezed. Yeah. Freshly squeezed OJ is up in the top five of things that I would want to drink to be refreshed, period. You know? Oh my God. Imagine, Steve, when you wake up in the morning and it's cold and you pull it out of the fridge and you pour it in a glass and you take a sip first thing in the morning. Oh, do we do the pulp or no pulp thing? I'm a, I actually like pulp. I like limited pulp. Let's not go overboard on the pulp. I don't want to feel like I'm biting into a orange, but I, a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of substance in there. I'm okay with. I'm there. And you know what? It's more natural if there was pulp in it. So I'm there. There you go. What's up? Is there Farm anything? Farm table orange juice. I love it. Is there anything to Adam's question that you liked as a kid that now you can't stand? Chef Boyardee. Ew, you liked that as SpaghettiOs. Yeah. Oh my God. I used to eat that shit all the time. Ugh. I used to eat that shit in college. No. And now I'm like, how the hell did I eat that? Ew. Disgusting. Cherry vanilla Coke. Oh yeah. Now I just eat Coke, period. That's it. That was definitely good though. Cherry vanilla Coke. I would drink a vanilla Coke every day in college. I can't believe my teeth aren't rotted out. Um, today, my co-host Randy Carricker came in and he had gotten a DDP, a Diet Dr. Pepper from the gas station in the morning. And he gave me a pro tip. He fills the cup all the way to the brim with ice and then as the DDP. So that means as it melts, you still have maximum gas station pebble ice as it goes down. Yeah, very, the pebble ice is so freaking veteran good. Veteran move by him. It was it very is. smart. As I get older really quickly, I appreciate you need ice in a soft drink. Need it. You have yeah. to have it. Can't and drink a warm ice, soft drink. The shape of the ice, the Matters. consistency of the ice, it can change the way you consume the drink. Ice is a big fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's a big a deal. It's a really big deal. And, and there's a lot like, of variables. It says a lot about you by which ice you prefer. Well, think about it. You know, if I'm having a <laughs> soda, I want that movie theater. You know, the ones that are partitioned, they're almost like H's, they're little blocks, that kind of ice that you get. It's like industrial ice. Okay. You need that for a soda. 
And then the chip ice is also very good too. But I kind of like that when I'm going to chew on it, like when I don't have a top to the container, because I like to chew on the ice. ice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one is I want a big ass ice cube if I'm having a bourbon or a scotch, right? Right. I don't want a little pebble ice that melts it right away. So ice, there's a, ice is a big deal. Just saying. I like a cold liqueur sometimes. You would. Uh, By the the way, my favorite one is guava. If you haven't had the guava liqueur, I highly recommend it. Is the orange one good? I've never had the orange one. Probably I not. Like lime. I like passion fruit. I like uh, pample mousse. Very good. Um, we just got spindrift, uh, which I think is somewhat similar. Have you ever heard of it? It's, uh, yes. It, very very good. good. Orange, by far the worst flavor. Okay. There you go. By sorry. far the worst. Oh. I took one sip and I said, Maddie, I'm not drinking any of these. They're terrible. It's bad. Sorry, Adam. I like my liqueur with the regular ice from an ice cube tray that you pop out. Mm-hmm. Like the, the big chunky ones. Yeah. The big chunky ones. I throw about four or five in there. Pour the LaCroix in, squeeze a fresh lime. We're having a great day. That's how I feel about ginger ale. I can't drink ginger ale without ice. Needs ice. I don't know why. Changes, totally changes the taste. I can't drink a LaCroix out of the can. I don't drink anything out of cans. It actually- Not even a beer? I'd prefer to pour it out. If I'm having it at my house, I'll pour it into a cup. Wow. 100%. It tastes better. I don't know how, I can't explain it. I don't have an explanation. It's science. There is some science there that says it just flat out tastes better if you pour it out of the can. I don't know if it's like the metallic whatever. Mm-hmm. Trust me on this one. Small talk. You're home for ice. Big ice people. <laughs> <laughs> Huge ice. We left our hottest. We stand ice. <laughs> we stand ice. Well, thank you, Adam, for the review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcast, search for Small Talk, find it, Black Box, White Writing. Subscribe to it, rate it preferably five stars, and leave a review. We'll hopefully read it at the end of the pod. Well, Steve and I will be back in action again next week. Like he said, we're going to try to pull off a hater episode, so don't hate us after that episode. But until then, Steve, Dolores, and Frank forever. Put some respect on Chris Paul's name. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.